Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 173, recorded on April 11th, 2023. We are your host, Guy, Tim, and Bub. On tonight's episode, we take a look at a galaxy's worth of news as we review Star Wars Celebration, and we take a look at the Bob Iger promise of a $17 billion investment in the Walt Disney World. And boys, I have a feeling he's going to make this park the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Tim, we got a ton of news. What do you got for us? Uh, so obviously it's been a little while since we talked to you guys, and Star Wars Celebration happened over uh, Easter weekend, as it were. Um, or I, I guess it was the weekend before Easter. Uh, I take that back. But um, all your you know trailers and release dates and all that stuff, but obviously the biggest news out of Star Wars Celebration is... With all those Star Wars feature films having been canceled or taken off the slate in the last couple of weeks uh, and months, we have found out that that's because there are three new Star Wars films that have been announced, and uh, they are all going to introduce uh, – two of them will introduce new eras to the Star Wars timeline, and one of them will be the long – Asked for by fans, Dave Filoni directed and written Star Wars film that will wrap up and serve as a capstone to all the Disney Plus uh, live action Star Wars series that uh, he's been responsible for. So uh, that one is going to take place, obviously, in between whenever those shows end and uh, the start of A New Hope or I'm sorry, start of the uh, sequel trilogy. And that will uh, wrap up the storylines of Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and other Disney Plus series. Uh, more interesting to me is that James uh, Mangold of Logan and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the upcoming uh, Indiana Jones movie, uh, will be directing a Star Wars movie set in an era being referred to as the Dawn of the Jedi and will be the earliest entry in the current canonical Star Wars timeline set before the Old Republic books, comics, and web content that Disney's been doing over the last couple of years uh, and really show uh, apparently the idea of the force being discovered and the Jedi and Sith being established uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and then the kind of big surprise is uh, we are going to get a direct sequel to um, the Rise of the Skywalker. Uh, and it's going to be directed by a Pakistani journalist and um, documentary director who has made a ton of investigative stuff, mostly on women's rights in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and also uh, war reporting on the Taliban over the last 25 years or so. Uh, but she is part of the Disney family, 
as she is also directing um, the Marvels. Or I'm sorry, she directed Ms. Marvel, not the new upcoming movie Marvels. Um, but she will be directing the sequel to Rise of the Skywalker. Daisy Ridley will return as Rey, and that will also establish a new era called the New Jedi Order, and it will apparently be about her as she scours the galaxy trying to reestablish uh, the Jedi and uh, a Republic government after the events of the sequel trilogy. Uh, other than that, Genie Plus, guys, stayed at $35, $6 more than its previous record for six days straight here over spring break. Uh, also, uh, individual lightning lanes were apparently selling out uh, the second that uh, the ability to purchase them opened up for guests. Um, is there any world where you guys are paying $35 for Genie Plus? So just, I, you know, I've been drinking a lot of the Disney Kool-Aid lately. And when we get into the next news point, that'll be further proven. You know, I think Disney's getting a lot of crap for this. Um, I mean, A, you got to make hay while the sun's shining. So I don't blame them for that. But if you look at it, and it's not comparable um, 100%. But like if you were to buy a park to park ticket at Universal and the Max Pass, you're spending around $450 a day per person. I mean, this is your $120 ticket plus the 35 bucks. I mean, it sucks. It's way more than it used to be, more than it should be. But I again, I've been pushing for like, hopefully they're going to make it, price it out so that literally not everybody in the park is buying it. And I think they should kind of push the price up more. And I think they're experimenting with it. Now, the problem that they're going to run into is they might just say, hey, we can charge 35 bucks for this sell it out to 25% and make more money. And then they'll skip that whole making it more exclusive thing. But I mean, I get why they did it. The parks have been packed, so they got to do what they got to do. Yeah. I mean, as you said, this 35, not only was it at the record, all six of these days was the first time ever Genie Plus has quote unquote sold out where a, a point in the day, pretty early in the day uh, on each of these six days, uh, GD Plus was no longer available for purchase, either um, in person from a guest services cast member or on the app. Um, so obviously, this $35, regardless of what we think about it being worth it or not worth it, uh, it was worth it to enough people there that it, it, it sold out. Uh, Bub, I'm guessing you are not going to be as charitable to a $35 Genie Plus as a guy was. Well, no, if it was a Universal Express Pass, then fine. But I think that we sit here and we do this every time. Uh, Universal does this. Universal's Express Pass, with the exception of, I think, two or three rides, gets you front-of-the-line access to every attraction in both parks. It's an entirely different system. It's a far superior system. If Disney was going to do that with Genie Plus, then great. But Genie Plus is a... Still, at its core, a fast pass system for one attraction at a time, unless you buy the Lightning Lane. So, to me, no, the value is not there. Um, but I'm done arguing with the Disney public on this because clearly people pay it. So they can only be mad at themselves when it gets to fifty dollars at Fourth of July week or Memorial Day week, whichever. Probably closer to Fourth. I have Fourth of July week's the bigger week, but uh, I mean. Is 50 really going to happen at 4th of July? 
I would Probably. never say never. Never say never. Um, and it'll still sell out. But yeah, I, if I it was an apples to apples on the Universal Pass, it would be 200 bucks a day at Disney. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on this, Bob. Um, that's my big concern is when the parks are this crowded and GE Plus is literally selling out, what are the chances you're going to get two, quote unquote, good or desirable rides that are not individual lightning lanes? And who, who even knows you're going to get three attractions all day with that many people competing for those uh, those lightning lanes? Um that said, though, man, yeah, I, obviously something's working for 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 Disney because people are so outraged about this, but they're they're selling it like hotcakes, and it, it seems to be almost uh, the new required thing for for a Disney trip. I'm I'm lucky enough that I I tend to take my Disney trips in the quote unquote off season, and um, haven't felt the need to uh, purchase this yet. But uh, it, I'll have to see next time we take a trip down to Florida. Uh, during a, a busier season, I just can't see myself getting it at any price. It, it just does not seem like enough of a value add. Uh, I, I stand by they're missing the mark by not having this as an add on to your ticket purchase as a length of stay pass. I People would pay money for that. People would pay $400 per person for the for the length of stay. They, yeah, they would 100 they would 100% do that. I guarantee. And the weird part is you can do that at Disneyland. It's right. just it's, Walt Disney World, and they just know it's because it's the much, much higher crowds at Walt Disney World. That that why why would they do that when they can do this and, and change right. the price every day? And uh, people uh, people are obviously buying it in droves. Speaking of things, people are buying in droves, and, and something the the Disney loving public has been begging Disney for uh, as of today. Uh, annual passes uh, on the East Coast and Magic Keys on the West Coast are once again for sale. So if you are one of the people who has been asking for, geez, literally years now for uh, Disney to resume annual pass sales in Florida, uh, your time is now. Uh, hopefully they are not gone by the time you're hearing this. Uh, but if you want one of those, come and get them. Those are also at the most expensive they've ever been by a lot. And uh, but they are there and they are available. And if you are going to make multiple trips in a year like uh one of our co-hosts here on this podcast. It's probably not a bad idea. Guy, are you uh, you getting an annual pass? Yeah, so we were up at 5 in the morning to uh, prep for uh, the annual pass. It went exactly how we thought it was going to go. Uh, 6 a.m., the annual pass thing goes on sale. Um, naturally, the system crashes. After about a half hour, they just literally scrapped it and they gave up because, like, no one was getting through. Um, and then we ended up, um, calling in at 9 a.m. to DVC. I don't know if they all came available today or just the, the DVC exclusive, um, and then obviously Florida residents too. Um, I think the actual date is the 20th, I believe, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nothing more Disney than waiting around three hours to give them, you know, me and Jordana got passes, so it was two grand, and we had to beg and plead for them to take it, but uh, we got it. We're happy. We we go so often. It ends up breaking down if if you go more than six days. Like as a DVC member, it makes sense to get the annual pass. So it was a no brainer for us. Yep. Um. So I know that our main topic is to be be how how would we spend Iger's billions. Um. But uh, I I just gotta say I I really hope and I I cannot imagine Disney isn't going to do this. But they need to upgrade their IT infrastructure with some of these billions, and they need to do it yesterday. Um, they are 
of all the large American and international companies even, their IT is so behind the curve when it comes to cloud capacity and servers and load balancing and, and website responsiveness and stuff. It is almost inexcusable how bad Disney is with uh, with this stuff. And they they obviously get it right in some places. I mean, Disney Plus is was a great streaming service out of the box. It doesn't have any big problems. But man, the the stuff for their resorts is is so bad. They definitely need to take at least one of those billions and and do a massive IT overhaul and and really get that stuff up to standard. Uh, last big story we're covering this week. We got some surprise details dropped on us yesterday about uh, Tiana's Bayou Adventure. And uh, still keeping it a little vague, uh, but we are getting a Mama Odie animatronic and in addition to her we are getting quote dozens of new animatronic figures throughout the ride we're also told that we hope we like the smell of beignets because in select areas of the ride the scent of freshly cooked beignets for tiana celebration will be pumped in now i think that specifically is a little odd the beignet smell because so much of the Splash Mountain sensory experience, at least um, smell-wise, has always been the overwhelming smell of bromine um, that is used to treat that water in a, in a way that is safe and non-toxic. Um, and bromine has such a distinct smell compared to, you know, your typical pool chlorine um, or that they, they, you you. So I don't know this this beignet smell is going to have to be pretty strong. Uh, to compete with that, because I don't think they're going to change how the water is treated. Bub, how are you feeling now that we uh, we have the official closure date of May 31st announced for uh, Disneyland's Splash Mountain? And obviously, construction is well underway. We've gotten some kind of sneaky, spy shots at night of uh, them really sawing away and gutting the interior at uh, Walt Disney World. This does look like... It's quite possibly be more of an overhaul than I expected it to be. I expected it to be maybe not even to the level of Maelstrom to Frozen, but it seems like this is going to be a whole new ride uh, with the same ride system more than just a reskinning, so to say. The simplest thing you can make here is they better get it right. And to this point, outside of the tiara that's going on the water tower i would say i like everything i've seen the tiara just seems a little heavy-handed to me that it's going on the water tower but i mean it, it, it's fine it doesn't offend me it just seems to be very heavy-handed and cutesy design to me for this attraction if the whole premise is that there's it just doesn't seem to be on brand for the character in my opinion, for her to put a tiara on the water tower. And if you're having me buy that this is a communal kitchen and, and they're they're kind of like a co-op type setup, it seems rather extravagant that they're putting a tiara on top of the water tower. That's just me reading into the story we don't know yet. And I do agree with you. One of the charms of all of these water rides, Pirates of the Caribbean as well, that bromine and bromine there, it's just that beignet is going to have to be pumped in and you know, why don't they have a beignet cart like they're doing with Tron? Give me a beignet cart in the queue. 
because that's the beignets at Port Orleans are fantastic. Yeah, and the beignets at uh, Disneyland are fantastic. Um, so yeah, I I do think I I could have swore they did confirm that there will be a outdoor Tiana themed food stand at the Magic Kingdom. Um, I suspect it'll be in that food stand that is across from Pecos Bills. That is uh, seasonal operation. Fry stand there. It used to be the fry stand. I believe yeah. now it's just um, whatever the corn is, dogs yeah. and and uh, some other kind of snacky items, and and it's only seasonal operation. Um, I I would not be shocked if that started you know frying up beignets uh, for fans of uh, donuts and the Bayou because it, it would be shocking if they pump in a beignet smell into that ride and then don't have those available for you in the park as those are such a beloved Disney snack that is more difficult to get in Florida than out there in California. I think, honestly, the smart move with that is if you know how Splash Mountain was set up, they had this little playground at the end of the, like, when you get out of the ride, I would put something in there, in that space, uh, just because kind of going all the way over to uh, where that fry stand is feels like it's a little too far out of the way for the ride. That's a good point. They could even do it right in the actual Splash Mountain gift shop because Splash Mountain actually has two merchandise locations. The larger one that's been closed um, since the park reopened uh, and then that one um, that is as you exit the ride after you go through the photo area. So, uh, yeah, that that is another candidate for uh, a donut stand of sorts. Bob, what are we talking about this week? I think we're talking about the next Disney decade. However, based on their timeline of construction projects, this might be the next Disney quarter century because they're not doing all of this in a decade. But one uh, Bob Iger said, we're planning a $17 billion investment into the Florida property. I just want everyone to take a second and, and sit on that concept of $17 billion and realize how much money that breaks down to because we kind of did it in a way where I put we collectively put 12 billion dollars or 12.1 billion dollars into the four parks which is three and a quarter billion dollars per park does anyone does anyone fathom that that much of an investment into that and that's that's only two-thirds of the money where's the other third of that money going it, it, it to me it's truly incredible a 17 billion dollar investment. we talked online uh about infrastructure and probably expansions of, of, of roadways rerouting of roadways and and we've talked about it construction projects are very expensive but tim 17 billion dollars worth of investment coming to Walt Disney World and he said over the next decade again to me that seems ambitious that's a it's a lot of money to spend in a, we, in, a, in a 10 year window we we know how this works with Walt as as long as the ceremonial picture of of Bob Iger or whoever his successor is and uh you know a movie star and and some humanitarian have those golden shovels being shoved into the dirt of, of where where one of those billions is going to go that that counts as as in the decade and that that project is started. So I, I, I'm with you, Bob. I think realistically we're looking at over the next 15, 20 years. Um, but this is truly an unfathomable amount of money. I mean, this is a, a difficult amount of money for for kind of the human mind to comprehend 
how much that really is um, for one property, even one as vast and complex and as expensive as modern Disney projects have ended up being. The other thing you got to think about is there's so much stuff that's already been announced or is underway. And Mm -hmm. it's very likely that this money doesn't account for that because that stuff is already accounted for. This is, this is blue sky money more or less. Yes. I, I, again, like you said, I'm not even sure there's someone that a normal human being, not Jeff Bezos, not a guy like Bill Gates or, or, or Elon Musk can truly comprehend what $17 billion actually means. That's a, we've talked about it. Let's get right into it. We're going to start at Animal Kingdom, boys. I think it's one that we all agree with and all agree on in terms of what's coming there. And b- before we get into that, we tried to be realistic in Correct. this. We're, we're not saying, yep. you know, they're going to build a theme park full of holograms and it's going to be like Disney Westworld where, you know, you can interact with your favorite characters and, you know, live out your Disney fantasy. This is us trying to be as realistic and grounded as possible, kind of playing off announcements they've made or things that they've suggested need to be done or they would like to do eventually um, or things that fans have been asking for them to fix or change for the last Disney decade or two. Um, that said, $17 billion is a lot of money. So there's a lot of stuff on this list. There's a lot. And I think animal kingdom got the least amount of attention from our end. But again, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you understand that guy has this crazy theory, albeit very realistic. When we looked at the map of animal kingdom about rerouting the entrance to dino land and kind of redoing certain aspects of that. I don't know that I went as far as that guy, but I think when we were talking about it, we kind of captured the spirit of that. I think Dino Land, specifically Chester and Hester's Dino Rama, and all of us agree on this, is going to be Zootopia at some point. Whether that's in the next 10 years or not, I, I don't know. But like we've said, I would not be surprised to see a groundbreaking because it's the easiest point to do. The roller coaster is already gone. So it's a flat ride and some games. And that terrain already is relatively flat. There's not a ton you'd have to do except build up from that point. So I'm thinking you get a solid family D ticket roller coaster, probably um, similar to the train that Judy Hops takes. And I think you'd go through the different areas or, or, uh, habitats of Zootopia. It'd be an indoor outdoor type thing. Um, like a expedition Everest light for families is, is what I'm really envisioning what's going to go here. And then this is my blue sky, which is kind of weird based on that is I really like the idea of a double decker carousel, but like an old school flying horses style. So it's a little bit more thrilling than a standard carousel but it's still accessible to 95% of your guests. And then where the dig site is, I'm putting Zootopia town hall because Zootopia is one of those movies that is filled with characters that you absolutely want to meet. So you're asking yourselves, what about dinosaur? And I'm thinking that still stays as dino land light or in guy's world, it becomes the entrance to the park, which is also fine. I love dinosaur, but at the end of the day, if dinosaur ceases to exist within the next 10 years, I'm not sure that's such a bad thing for that park. Boys, let's discuss it. Yeah. So 
I like your idea, and I agree. I mean, Josh Tomorrow literally said at D23, Dino Land was going to become either Zootopia or Moana or a combination of both. Yep. Frankly, I really, we, we kind of ignored the Moana thing. Zootopia seems such a more obvious thing. Moana seems like a very strange fit for Animal Kingdom. And we're getting a bunch of Moana crap at um, at Epcot. Uh, but who knows? Moana t- consistently tops Disney's streaming numbers right. year after year after year. Uh, we're getting the remake. That was announced. Forgot to put that in the news. Um, the one thing is, I see the main ride not being this family coaster. That would be cool. But we're going to have a trackless Zootopia dark ride in Shanghai yep. in the next year or two. Yep. I think they just clone it. I mean, plausible. Absolutely. Again, my thought process is if they're going to spend $17 billion, let's go big. But I agree with him. If there's, if there's an opportunity to clone that attraction, that's absolutely what they're going to do here. Yeah. And then I don't know if you knew this when you put this double decker multi-animal flying carousel thing in that is not unprecedented. Um, Disney has a beautiful um, double decker carousel in Tokyo Disney sea in the um, Middle Eastern themed port. Um, so oh, I did not know yes, that, but that's uh, absolutely yeah, what they yep, need to do. So, so they could realistically, again, clone that attraction. Uh, and, and instead of having the uh, beautiful hand carved Middle Eastern style animals on it, yep. um, you, you, you could have it Zootopia themed very easily. Yep. Well, it's funny. People ask when I floated this idea to people and I was talking to my mother today and, and, and it's, why a double decker? It doubles the capacity at almost no footprint cost. It, it, you just build up, and it it doubles the capacity of what will be when Zootopia comes to Dino Land. Let's. This is the one I. Mo- it will be very crowded, so you need that capacity eater. This is a perfect. I, I love the idea, and Tim, I'll go so far as to say that you could almost do a trackless style in dinosaur based on Zootopia. You you almost could. If you wanted to yep. wipe out everything, you could almost put a third attraction over there as your e-ticket dark uh, trackless dark red. For and sure, guy, for no, sure. You, you've, got the, you've got the crazy, which I love the idea of rerouting the entrance, but do you see the rerouting of the entrance happening or are you more of a, they're probably going to go with kind of what we talked about with the Zootopia fit? So if they're going to do the Zootopia fit, I mean, and I think, like I said, we've all said, uh, I think that's definitely what's going to happen. Um, I don't think we would reroute the entrance for that. I think what we were talking about when we were going to reroute the entrance was for a Pandora expansion, mm-hmm. which I wonder when they're going to try to do that. I don't think it's going to be in this same phase. I think, uh, you know, for lack of a better name, Zootopia land uh, is definitely a uh, higher priority um, no, no. Then you know, expanding Pandora, but I do expect that to happen as well. So I'll tell you this, I don't even need to add the land. I think you just call it Zootopia. I think yeah. that's the selling point here, is it's just you're going to Zootopia. It's not a Zootopia land. It's legitimately, this is a working city. That's why I put the city hall at the dig site. It is legitimately Zootopia. You can meet uh, Clawhauser. You can meet Chief Bogo. You can meet the possibilities for Zootopia are And that's the amazing untapped thing about Animal Kingdom. Even though the park is so gigantic, there's nothing but space. There's yeah. no there's no Seven Seas Lagoon they have to worry about. There's no nothing. There's no stopping them. They can go as big and invest as much yeah. money into Animal Kingdom as they want. Yeah, and, and it's and funny. All the legwork for this is being done already for Zootopia. Yeah. 
right? And I think that's the key sticking point for us on this one in particular is that they're doing this already. And this is almost a, a port over for us, which we know how Tron went. So who the hell knows if it's going to work? And another another Shanghai e-ticket that should yep. have been cut and paste and instead was a, a multi-year quagmire, uh, yep. truly baffling stuff. Um, so, Guy, I, I do think if we're looking at a decade, we're looking at how wrong you were about Avatar and it, its prospects of success uh, in the sequel. And the fact that we are definitely getting the next Avatar uh, in a pretty short order, I think we're going to see Pandora expansion. And, and it's something you've talked about on the show. How do you see that going uh, in Animal Kingdom? Um, I think trying to expand to that, and I haven't seen the second, I haven't seen either of the movie, so I'm not really sure plot points and everything. I believe that was a big underwater thing for the second movie, correct? It, most of the movie is underwater for the second so movie. So that's what I would imagine they would do, um, something along the lines of that. I Man, I can't think of the park where it is. But they have like a, don't they have like a, a 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea type ride in? Uh, of, uh, yes, in uh, in uh, Tokyo. Yeah. They have uh, a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea um, that's not, it's under, it's underwater, but the ride takes place, it, it simulates water by um, filling interstitial space in the windows with water so that you appear to be looking out through water, but you're actually seeing animatronics just, you know, in dry space. Okay. Uh, it's really cleverly done, and... Um, much, much lower maintenance than the submarines at Disneyland or the former submarines at Disney World, where you need to maintain a fleet of submarines, something Bob knows quite a bit about. It's not easy work, let me tell you that much right now. Not easy work. To me, I, I think it's, and, and hear me out, I'm creating a new new expansion, a new ticket idea here, is I'm thinking we're getting Disney's first attempt at what I consider like a water coaster or a flume coaster type thing. And I think we're getting the first ever F ticket attraction uh, in Pandora. That'll put anything that Pandora or anything that galaxy's edge has to shame. That's what I be. And I only say that because guy, like you said, uh, Tim, like you said, sorry, not guy, Tim, you, you saw the second movies out the third, fourth and fifth movies are coming and you you have so much to work with and jim cameron's gonna be involved with any expansion they do so he knows where the stories are going lightstorm helped create the attractions I, I think again it may not be in 10 years it might be 15 this has to be on their priority list and i don't know if it's the path between africa and pandora that they kind of use that space as the next expansion but they don't build Pandora without having some sort of expansion plan. And that's coming too. And I think of all the parks we're going to talk about, I honestly believe Animal Kingdom needs these expansions more than any of the other parks are going to need what we're going to talk about. Except for half of Hollywood Studios, but that's a different conversation. But to me, Animal Kingdom needs this because Dino Land is dead space and Pandora needs to be bigger based on how popular that part of the park is. It needs to expand its footprint. And I think that's where we're going to go. It, I, I didn't even think about that path between Africa and Pandora. Um, really, 
all of that is dead space too. And it's a yep. relic. That canal system is a relic of going back to our biggest flops episode a couple of yep. weeks ago, uh, the completely asinine boat thing that um, they had. <laughs> uh, and bring it back. It all feeds into the water amphitheater for the projection show that Disney unceremoniously got rid of and has not said anything about bringing back any kind of a nighttime spectacular. So, I mean, you could certainly fill in those man-made canals without affecting anything at all in those parks, because at this point, they're exclusively used for Chip and Dale to sail by on a boat Mm -hmm. and play some steel drums or Pocahontas to sail by and wave at you with Mickey. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, let, that, that let's not forget expansion pad. Yeah, let's not forget that Animal Kingdom is extremely large. It is a massive, massive park. It is the so, largest theme park by square footage in the world. Apparently, it won't be once Epic Universe opens, which I read that when we were. Oh, doing I had, I had for... no idea Epic Universe was going to be that big. Neither did I, but apparently, it's going to be. But we'll. That's another conversation for another day. I think now we go to my much maligned park, Disney's Hollywood Studios, because nothing says investment in the future like Hollywood Studios, because we're talking about they just got Toy Story Land within the last 10 years. They just opened Galaxy's Edge within the last five. What possibly could you do at Hollywood Studios with $3 billion? I've got some blue sky ideas here, boys, that I don't think are going to happen. But to me, the first place I think we all agree, whatever the hell is happening with or beyond Rock and Roller Coaster down to Toy Story Land, which encompasses the Disney Junior Stage Show, which is nothing, the empty Little Mermaid Theater and, and the Launch Bay, and then the former One Man's Dream Building. And I understand that's kind of Andy's barbecue, whatever the hell they're calling it, what it is over there. But that's a ton of dead nothing space at that park. And that, more than anything we're going to talk about tonight, is a relic of what that park used to be and not what it is today. Animation Courtyard, it, they used to have animators out there drawing, flipping their sketch pads so you could see the animation process. It was a big part of the tour. There were warehouses. They were st- it, was, it was great when it was an actual studio. It, it's been nothing for the last 20 years. How do we solve that problem, boys? We finally bring a complete Pixar park here. Or a Pixar, I don't know what we're calling it, a, a Pixar land, Pixar place, whatever you want to call it. We're replacing the studio sign that's next to the great movie ride, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And that's going to pick, it's going to be the Pixar place marquee that it's going to be all Pixar all the time. We're going to start all the way behind Rock and Roller Coaster. It's going to be where Lightning McQueen uh, Racing Academy is for some reason that made the cut as an attraction that's staying because that's going to be my route 66 area. And guy, this one is for you and the boys. We're going with a new indoor black, black light, dark ride based on Mater and the ghost light short. Now to appreciate this, you have to understand that this is going to be the most kid friendly dark ride we've ever built. It's going to be an out and out kitty ride. It's going to be fun. It's going to be trackless. It is going to be, delightful there 
And on top of that, we're getting Fillmore's Filling Station as a quick service fast food restaurant themed to Fillmore, who is the hippie voiced by George Carlin, which is fantastic in the film. And then Luigi's Garage, where you're going to meet Lightning McQueen, you're going to meet Cruz Ramirez, you're going to meet Mater, you're going to meet them all in their garage stalls. And guess what this is? Automated uh picture taking because they're not they're just standing they're stationary it's going to be fantastic i'm telling you radiator springs has to come to this park in that business here's my thing i don't want copies of radiator springs racers i don't want anything from other parks i i want to kind of have that that mater in the ghost light dark ride has to has to happen it is a perfect opportunity that the short's four minutes long it's perfect for a ride, and they don't leverage this property enough. It's a merchandise machine for them, and having this here would be incredible. They have a whole quadrant of art of animation set to cars already, so this is a perfect opportunity. We're going to stop there. Route 66. Are you guys in for Route 66 or out on Route 66? I'm in. I, mean, I think there definitely needs to be more cars representation uh, throughout the parks, and I think it's just a IP that works for kids, it works for adults. It's kind of a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm down with anything that changes that area because not only mm-hmm. is it dead space, it is a confusing reminder of Hollywood Studios' total lack of identity at this point, where in a lot of ways to casual fans and vacationers, it is the most desirable park after Magic Kingdom and for like teens and young adults, the most desirable park because of Galaxy's Edge, because of Toy Story Land, but in as a cohesive Disney experience, it's just so schizophrenic. It's <clears throat> all over the place. There's nothing about it that's studio anymore. I honestly at this point, it, it depending on how the, the the money is spent, I would love to see that get renamed. Um yeah. it is not a studios park in in the way that you know, um, the Disney Studios in Paris, which um, for the the anniversary just today, they they made announcements to 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 improvements of that park, which is also lacking in different ways than Hollywood Studios. But there is nothing other than some of the building styles and some of the stuff that's left over that still reads mm-hmm. as a studios park um, uh, at Hollywood Studios. So, yeah, I mean, this is as good as anything else. Um, if there is anything that Hollywood Studios is lacking for right now, it is kid-centric rides. Oh, don't you worry. Don't you worry, because we're not done with Pixar Place just yet. Because we're going to Metroville City Square. And this is my crowning achievement of Pixar Place. We are getting a dark ride in the vein of Adventures of Spider-Man over at Islands of Adventure. So think that type of setup. And it's literally, we're borrowing the entire concept of... It's going to be a rogues gallery of the Incredibles coming at you. And you are playing the role or you are with the Incredibles trying to put them all back in prison. I I literally cannot wait for this. And then going into that Little Mermaid theater is going to be an indoor special effects show without Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, without Frozone. It is going to be the continuing adventures of Violet Dash and Jack-Jack on their quest as teenagers, because I think you've got to pull something in for the kids. And you've added now 
two rides, a meet and greet with Cars characters, a quick fill, a a awesomely themed quick service restaurant, and now you've added a show that I think Pixar Place could be the crowning achievement of Hollywood Studios if they've if they are all in on it and do it correctly. The Incredibles, for better or worse, is a wildly popular franchise. That is grossly underrepresented in the parks. It, I don't even think of an instance where there is anything Incredibles in the parks currently in Florida. Am I wrong with that? Is there anything Incredibles uh, related? There's the extremely clunky re-theme of the contemporary. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, yeah. There is um, a car in the Hollywood Studios cavalcade. That's it. Yeah, that's. The so there's of, nothing. The so there's nothing of any consequence. So are you guys in for Metroville? being represented here in a, in a smaller way than Route 66. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Definitely, especially if we could have all that space. Like, I hope people can visualize how much area this oh, would, yes. how gigantic this Pixar thing would be. I mean, you're looking at at least double the size of, you know, Galaxy's Edge. Oh, this yeah, because then you're going to include what you have in Andy's backyard. Yeah, it's massive. It, it, it would be great. So. So what it is, Pixar Place is three distinct Pixar neighborhoods. I tried like hell to get some sort of Wally representation or some, but I don't feel like Wally and Up lend themselves to theme park attractions quite yet. I mean, I, I did manage to squeeze in one of them, but we're going back across the park, though, boys, to one that I think is very near and dear to all three of us. I'm finally saying goodbye to Muppet Vision and Pizza Rizzo, and I am putting Coruscant in the middle of Star Tours and Galaxy and Batu in Galaxy's Edge as kind of a transition from Star Tours. And ideally what happens here is Star Tours becomes almost the entrance or your flight, as it were, to Batu. And understanding now that Coruscant's gonna be in the middle, I understand that. But I think watching The Mandalorian, there's a very particular style at which Disney designs their Star Wars stuff in the parks. And I think they need to expand their design elements of Star Wars in the parks. And I think this is the best way to do it. Of course, the the piece here, Tim, and we've talked about this quite a bit, is how much real estate Indiana Jones Amphitheater and the backstage area legitimately takes up. And what I'm doing there... Just for you, Guy, because I know you told me you'd never go to Hollywood Studios again if they got rid of Muppet Vision. You you said that. We can run the tape. You said you'd never go to the park again. What if I told you we're taking Indiana Jones out and we gave you Muppet Hollywood Studios, where it was a tribute to what the park used to be, featuring a Muppet Great Movie Ride and a Muppet Backlot Tour, just in that area of the park. You'd also get a new dining experience. I, Gonzo and Rizzo, wacky, I don't know. Not Pizza Rizzo, but the, the the sequel to Pizza Rizzo. Would you come back to the park, guy, if I gave you that? Yeah, so this is just a total about face here. And again, like, you got to understand, like, going into the show, like, the, all the prep that goes into it. I mean, Bub just absolutely knocked this whole topic uh, out of the park and just embarrassed uh, myself, I'll speak for myself, just embarrassed what I came to the table with. Um, but just going back to Hollywood Studios, um, when you're making these kind of major changes, you can kind of get away with almost anything. So I think that if you just said, hey, 
you know, it's 2023. No one cares about the Muppets anymore. We're just closing the theater down and we'll figure out what we're going to do with it later. Like they've done with like, you know, like Stitch, for example. I think people would be incensed if you were just even, you know, even if we didn't get this giant, uh, you know, love letter to the Muppets that you're describing, I think people wouldn't care as long as they were getting something immediately. Um, and I think just expanding Star Wars, I mean, it's happening no matter what. Eventually, this is, you know, as probable as, you know, Zootopia and Animal Kingdom. Um, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. They're way too invested in Star Wars um, to not, like, keep going, basically. And it just it makes sense. It still prints money. I mean, the hotel experience, you know, is a, is a black eye for Disney. But at the end of the day, Star Wars is always going to print large sums of cash for Disney. And it would be completely remiss of them to not expand that when they're spending money. Yeah, I, I, Tim, I, I agree. This 100%. is the least realistic, though, correct? Oh, yeah. The, especially the Muppet stuff. I think of anything on this list, that's that is a. Uh, Something that we would like to see, and, and but they are—they're about to put out the first new I Muppet know. series in forever. I know. The 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 newer Muppet movies have been big hits for Disney. Yeah. Um, I do think this would make a certain percentage of people very very happy. The question is how big that percentage of people is in in, in relation to the capital that would take to do this. But right. I mean, as you said, and we've discussed that area where that is consumed by Indiana Jones and all the infrastructure to support it is larger than most of the theme park lands in Disney yeah. parks. Yeah. Um, it's massive. And, and that show is a massive people eater, but people don't care about it. And I don't think even dial of destiny hitting it out of the park and being a mega hit is going to change people's excitement about that show. Because again, that show is another part of this lingering legacy of what Hollywood Studios was because it's not a stunt show like the Jason Bourne one at um, Universal where you are at a sh uh, seeing a Jason Bourne adventure. It is right. explaining to you how movie stunts work. There's a guy who's right. like, I'm the second unit director and – I'm right. responsible for all the stunt performances and B-roll that goes into your favorite films. Like that is another thing that is completely disconnected from what the park is now. It, the park is not about the magic sure. of making the movies. Okay. So even if Indiana Jones Dial Destiny is a big hit and they want to redo that stunt show to take those kayfabe elements out of it, maybe that's what they do. But something probably needs to happen there. Um, I, I think the Coruscant thing is is an awesome idea. Coruscant has featured heavily in the, yeah. the all these super popular um, Star Wars shows on Disney Plus or other city planets, whereas Batuu is very much in that outer rim backwater Tatooine mm -hmm. feel that right. um, was the kind of go to Disney Star Wars look before they figured out how to do these awesome cityscapes in Andor and the Mandalorian um, current season. Um, I like that you didn't really have any ideas for attractions in there because there doesn't need to be. You throw no, a couple right. of the heavily themed shops. You don't with they don't even need to have that many things you can buy, 
you right. can just populate it with you know stuff you can't buy that's pretend for sale, like how the shops at Galaxy's Edge are, right. and that's going to be good enough because people just want to go and experience these Star Wars areas and take right. pictures of them and their friends in these Star Wars areas, and you don't even have to violate the rigid commitment they have to Batu right. being at this specific frozen in time thing because it's just Coruscant frozen in that same time period. Right. Coruscant still exists in the part of the Star Wars timeline that Batu exists, so that just gives you a, a change of scenery um, while still adhering to these standards that Disney themselves is now breaking with, you know, Grogu and Mando mm -hmm. hanging out at the edges of Galaxy's Edge, taking pictures with folks, despite the fact that they uh, presumably, we'll have to find out with Dave Filoni's movie, uh, will not be around at the time where Batu is supposed to be uh, frozen in. Uh, I, I do, me. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they did that with Batu. Like, I get it. I understand why they did it. They didn't want it to be tied. But, man, that feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about it if you listen to the show. But, uh, yeah, it's a weird choice. Um, and I don't think they need to be stuck with it. But for some reason, they're they're sticking to their guns on that one. I, I don't think by the end of this 10-year expansion period that Disney will still be sticking to their guns on that. Because it's no, just I, such a strange um, yeah. artificial limitation they have put on themselves for Star Wars in these parks um, in a way that casual fans of Star Wars are not into or even aware of. They just know that they can't see Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or Chewbacca because of the um, the time period that they have, have have locked themselves into rather arbitrarily. Well, from one that I think we all agree to, to one that might be the most controversial on this list, because we're going to Epcot, boys, but for some reason, we're not done at Epcot yet, for some reason. And I think it's one guy, we've certainly talked about it, and Tim, I know you've been involved with the conversations. I'm going to give you a two, I'm going to give you the first two parts what I'm doing, because they kind of go hand in hand, is... The Imagination Pavilion needs something. The entire pavilion needs something. What I'm about to say might get some fans up in arms, but I am taking Figment completely out of the Imagination Pavilion. But we're going to put him off to the side for a second because I still think that this Imagination Pavilion, as it is now, the space they have, needs to be inside out. You're getting an inside out, too, for better or worse. I don't know why but we're getting it inside out is such a colorful and fantastic movie about a little girl's imagination and, and her thought processes and her emotions that it works in this pavilion in a way I am completely overhauling the attraction. It's going to be the train of thought attraction. It's going to use both floors of the show building. Um, Bing bong is kind of going to host the Bing bong is going to become the new figment for imagination. Um, because that's what he is. He's cotton candy, dolphin, he's an elephant. He's Riley's, he's Riley's figment is what he is in that movie. Uh, so he's going to host ImageWorks area, which is going to have all sorts of interactive exhibits. The Magic Eye Theater, where Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and Captain EO showed now the Pixar, Pixar Short movie. Films yeah. Festival. For whatever reason they thought that worked, is going to host a, a new specially designed Movie for the senses. See what I did there. Featuring next level in theater effects. Um, it's going to take you through the stages of imaginative growth. And it's going to 
feature obviously anger, joy, sadness, panic, and disgust in their roles from the movie. Um, so you're asking, what did I do with Figment then? Well, fear not, because there is one attraction that gets gatekept more than almost any other attraction at Epcot, and that is Spaceship Earth. People have this unbelievable attachment to what, at its core, might be the most mediocre, overrated attraction at Epcot on a legitimate level, okay? But we're going to spruce it up because they've had this idea where they're going to do the, 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 the story of light and there's going to be a light storyteller. No, 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 no. Dreamfinder and Figment through the history of the world. And I understand people say, well, Figment, that's kind of a... T- it's going to be the Figment. It's, it's going to be primarily Dreamfinder and Figment observing these things. We're going to use the screen projections behind it. They're going to be in the scenes. The animatronics will get upgraded. They're kind of going to tell the same story. Um, but it, it is going to be the history of communication as told by Dreamfinder and Figment. And this is the most outside-the-box idea that I've come up with. But I promise you that as much as you think you love Spaceship Earth, I promise you that it's not as good as you think it is. It, the whole back third of that attraction is rope lights from the ceiling. It hasn't been updated in at least 12 years. So none of the technology makes any sense in the attraction. It is the most uncomfortable ride vehicle on property. So to me, you can gatekeep the idea of Jeremy Irons' narration all you want, but he hasn't been the narrator of this attraction in 15 years. And as good as Judy Dench is, it's not the same. It's not Walter Cronkite. It's not Jeremy Irons. And the, the more we get away from the 1993-95 version of Spaceship Earth, the more we realize that the attraction in its current state is a shell of what it was when the park opened. And I'm tired of people telling me how great the attraction is, when in actuality what you're thinking about is what the attraction meant to you when you were 10 and it was Jeremy Irons or it was Walter Conkright. Because the Judy Dench version right now is garbage compared to what those other two attractions were. And that's my hot take of the day. That's what I'm doing with Epcot before we get to the other side of the park. Guy, you didn't look thrilled when I said I was going to crap on Spaceship Earth. So just as, you know, I still think of myself as a listener of the show first, even though I feel like I've probably been doing the the show for over a year at this point. um, I got to tell you, this was a pearl-clutching moment for me. Uh, just imagining how I would take it as a listener. Um, but honestly, like I'm on board, I'm on board with all of it. And the thing is, is if you want to make figment, the mascot of Epcot, if you really think that that is the end goal, this is the plan. This makes the most sense. And cause that ride, like as much as I love it and what it means to me, um, it is the most basic boring, mediocre ride that the only reason that they don't change it is it's because it's the most maintenance-free ride on property. That is the easiest ride to take care of. You literally have three or four animatronics, and that is it. Um, If you love Figment, you'd be knocking down the doors to get this done. And like you said, too, Spaceship Earth is just like... Spaceship Earth is the only thing that is like the park it used to be and nothing else it just hasn't changed with the times whatsoever and it's a great ride 
But the idea of the amount of money that you're going to have to invest in this ride to bring it up to 2023 or by that time, 2025 standards, etc. If you're going to spend that kind of money to give the exact same ride we already have, I mean, you might as well just light it on fire. You might as well just keep the ride the way it is because it's not going to upgrade it really at all to just keep it as is. And then you just, you know, get a new narration and you get some fancier animatronics in on the ride. I think I think it kind of falls to, uh, you know, the stunt show, too. It's just like everybody's experienced this ride so many times. And this is a this is a ride, honestly, unless it's a walk on, which it is a lot of times. It's usually just a walk on because everybody's done it a 100 times. It is a ride that I don't need to do. And I do everything. I ride pirates five times when I'm at Magic Kingdom. And this is just something I would walk by. It's just there's no reason to really do it. It's the same ride. over, and it's long. It's too long for what it is. And like you said, it's so long because you're literally just dropping backwards onto light for five minutes. It's just it doesn't need to be that way. Um, It needs a major overhaul. Tim? Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys said most of my thoughts. But I mean, I this was even a pearl clutching moment for me. Um, you got the castle as the most iconic imagery of, um, the, the Florida property, but one B right behind it it, is that Epcot geodesic dome. There's been so much money that they have spent in this Epcot renovation already to put the new fountain in, to have that, you know, nighttime shot of it be even more stunning. And then to rig up the entire dome with these incredibly advanced fiber optic lights to make that its own nighttime spectacular that was better than the damn crap nighttime spectacular they just got rid of. And, you know, them to announce, yeah, that wasn't just a 50th thing. We are keeping the light show on on the ball forever. But then the inside of it, that back third is such a travesty. The fact that it's literally nothing that this ride that is already so long that a portion of it that is the length of a kid's dark ride is nothing. It is a terrible, outdated, choose-your-own-adventure thing that was put in as a filler and nothing. Black tarps over old boxes and lights hanging from the ceiling. So anything to change that. And Disney damn well knows how popular Figment is. He is the mascot of Epcot. He is on every piece of merch for all the festivals. People go nuts getting all this Figment merch. It always sells out. We are getting a Figment meet and greet within the year. So why not make him the centerpiece of your centerpiece attraction rather than continue to have him in a attraction that is a shell of a shell of its former self and the best use of journey into your imagination was back in the fast fast days was consistently it always stopped working at nine o'clock in the morning so if you took a fast pass for it it would get converted into a, a, a any um any attraction fast pass but now it's uni plus you can't even do that anymore so it just exists to be a walk-on when test track and um, Guardians and the more popular rides have a long wait. So you can kill some time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all these are great. 
who knows if it ends up being um, inside out in there, although we have not heard the words play pavilion in a hell of a long time, which was supposed to be the inside out uh, presence in Epcot. So obviously inside out is something that Walt, the Walt Disney company wants in future world. So I I think these are both great ideas. I think we already, were going to get this light ball narrator floating over the existing show scenes of spaceship earth. So why not just change it to projection mapped figment and dream finder and, and update that bad boy and then make that last third something that does figment justice in the context yeah, I mean, of Spaceship Earth. I, I think it makes sense. Again, is it likely? Eh, maybe not. But for me, Tim, it's funny you mentioned Inside Out in the Play Pavilion because I'm actually going, we've, again, this will be quick because we talked about this in the past and what a missed opportunity ha- not having a health pavilion is. Wonders of Life will come back in this idea. It will come back uh, with the Goofy About Health concept and Goofy Shorts. He's going to be the host of the pavilion. Maybe we get a Body Wars 2.0 or something thrill-ride-ish simulator in there. Um, Healthy Choices Food Court, Tim. Kind of like a a counter or a counterpoint on the compass from the land where the land has uh, the the food court there that's kind of health-based. Sunshine Seasons. Yeah, so... I just think something has to be done with Wonders of Life, the pavilion itself. And in this day and age, a health pavilion, I think, would really, really do well. And then I'm going over to World Showcase, and I'm just throwing Brazil in where it should have gone initially between Germany and Italy. That's the space that it was supposed to go into originally. I'd probably throw a Sugarloaf Mountain rope course attraction. Seems very unlikely, but something Sugarloaf Mountain uh, there. Maybe an indoor-outdoor flume attraction through the Amazon or a boat ride through the Amazon. Maybe not a flume attraction. And then Coco finally replaces Grand Fiesta Tour in Mexico, which also seems very likely to happen in this next round of updates to World Showcase. So those are my kind of kid pro- side projects for Epcot. But really, the money is going to be Spaceship Earth and Imagination. Uh, but I think a Wonders of Life with Goofy About Health would be fantastic. And it brings... One of the more underused Fab Five into a main pavilion at Epcot. And I think you can't miss with Goofy. He's one of the most popular of the Fab Five, as well, if not the most popular of the Fab Five, Fab Five outside of Donald Duck. So, uh, But I think Brazil gets a pavilion, and I think Mexico gets Coco. I think that's almost very obvious. And then Wonders of Life needs something. Yeah, um, I think I think these are all pretty grounded, realistic ideas. Um, the one thing, and we discussed this before we went on air, I could see Epcot getting the least of this 17 billion because Epcot has been in a state of constant flux and renovation for five years now. Renovations that will continue through the end of this year, and I think Disney could get away with resting on their laurels, it, or at least they think they could get away with resting on their laurels of we just redid that whole park. The big problem right. with that is, yes, they added Guardians. Yes, they're getting this Moana walkthrough. But they haven't really added anything, especially not compared to what the original publicly revealed plans were that right. have now largely been canceled. In reality, all they did was knock down a bunch of buildings and build new ones that serve the exact same purpose. Um, and I'm not sure that really gets a lot of people excited uh, in the way it should. Um I think I think most realistic of your ideas are actually your two biggest ones, 
uh, an imagination pavilion overhaul of some kind. Who knows? It'll be inside out. And then some sort of a spaceship Earth overhaul, yeah. I think, is probably the most realistic earmarks of, of Epcot's share of that 17 billion in the next 10 years. But we do agree that the park that we haven't talked about is the one most in need of these upgrades. For sure. So there's two areas in particular, what's behind Thunder Mountain and Magic Kingdom and Tomorrowland. Before we get there, I wanted to pull something by you guys on Encanto and the Casita replacing Swiss Family Treehouse. And again, this is an instance of Swiss Family Treehouse being a decent-sized plot of land for being a treehouse. And you get an Encanto Casita facade. It's a walkthrough attraction, very similar to the, the, the Swiss Family Treehouse, but... It kind of Adventureland is Adventureland at this point. It's got Agrabah, it's got Caribbean Plaza, it's got Tropical Serenade. So it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of things anyway. So why not bring in Kanto here? Because I'm going to tell you what's behind Thunder Mountain isn't the 17 ideas they threw off the board. If they actually go behind Thunder Mountain and it's anything but Villain's Kingdom, it is going to be a disappointment put me on record at 1033 on April 13th of 2023, that if it is anything other than a villains themed area, Disney failed what's behind Thunder Mountain. I have a ton of stuff going into the villains land. I got a Chernabog uh, themed Chernabog's revenge, a dual tracked racing Rocky mountain style wood steel coaster, a Rocky mountain coaster company. We talked about them a couple weeks ago. The the gold standard of coasters right now, and this wouldn't be like the Dragon Challenge or Dueling Dragons. This would be an actual racing out and out wood style coaster. It wouldn't be the loops and stuff like that. Um, you're getting a three track villains dark ride. One track would be Facilier. One track would be Queen of Hearts, and one track would be Yzma from Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. I wanted to say the emperor has no clothes but i don't same concept those would feature the villains side of the story which i think is on brand here's the most offbeat one share kong's jungle run it's a family coaster themed to jungle book could be a lot of fun hades inferno is going to be the dining experience you're going to dine with radigan hades lady tremaine mother gothel and judge frollo and then Ursula, Ursula's unique curios and finds. It'll be the premier villains shop on property. To me, that's a that's a great sell for me. What if that was what is behind Thunder Mountain? I'm in. And if that takes all of the seventeen billion dollars, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So a lot of people when when this story first came out, a lot of people are talking fifth gate, fifth gate, fifth gate. I think we all kind of agree. I don't think a fifth gate's ever happening. And it's certainly I don't think it's going to happen in this next, uh, you know, 10 year cycle. And this is kind of what everyone projects that fifth gate to be uh, a villains park. And, you know, you said, though, this is kind of out there. I mean, this is definitely between the two. It's a lot more likely. Um, And that would really can you imagine just that throwaway comment that everyone mocked? What's behind Big Thunder Mountain? If they gave us this, like what a feather in the cap that would be. To all that mockery, like, you know what? Well, who's laughing now? Yeah. That would be delivering huge. Yeah. I mean, this, this when they talk about a 10-year investment of this kind of money, and the last thing we got about um, Blue Sky Plans for Magic Kingdom is what's behind Thunder Mountain, this has to be a consideration in there. Um, 
and I, I think everybody's hoping it's villains. Um, I think Encanto Casita replaces Swiss Family Treehouse is interesting, and I would have said is a very obvious thing that would happen the next year or two. We already know that um, the Encanto uh, people met with Bob Chapek, mm-hmm. And Bob yep. Iger is still on board. That was a massive surprise hit for Disney that did numbers that they were not expecting at all. Um, they were completely caught flat-footed and now want to rush it into the theme parks in the form of some sort of a, uh, a casita attraction that Lin-Manuel Miranda apparently already has ideas for and was pitching them to Disney executives. Except we just got word that the Tarzan Treehouse is being rethemed back to Swiss Family Robinson over at Disneyland. Everybody thought that that was going to be the Casita announcement, and then we would see pretty in short order the same thing happen in Walt Disney World. So who knows? Um, Because I don't see them doing that in Florida and then not doing it in California, but there's no way they redo the Treehouse in California only to redo it again. That just seems silly. Right. Um, Listen, I I can't speak for Disneyland. I don't know how much, how many, how many billions they're getting. We're still trying to figure out Disneyland forward and what that actually may or may not be at some point. Uh, and I they mean, might are... get Avatar. <laughs> so who the hell knows? The zoning, the zoning laws in Anaheim have not even been changed yet to even allow what yeah. they uh, they they pitched. Uh, who knows what's happening with Disneyland forward? That is interesting topic, but one for another time that we really cannot sure. get into now. No. No, there is one other spot that we obviously talk about routinely, and Tim and Guy, you guys I know have as many thoughts or, or, or if not more thoughts on Tomorrowland's overhaul, which I think has to come. I think we all agree that it's going to be electric cars at the Speedway. It has to be. There's no reason for it not to be. I'm sure Hyundai or Honda or GM or Tesla or whomever uh, has the next big electric vehicle would love to be the sponsor of that overhaul. Um, I think once you give Tron a couple of years, Space Mountain's going to a, a down to the studs renovation, track replacement, everything. I don't think that's surprising. The rest of it, though, I'm going to let you guys kind of take the lead on that. I think those two things are obvious. I think the rest of it is open to interpretation. So. Guy, Tim, whichever of you wants to go ahead with what you think the Tomorrowland overhaul should look like, why don't you guys go ahead? So I I like your ideas for this, Bob, but I'm going to kind of flip it around. Um, All right. I think that I agree with you. Buzz Lightyear, Monsters, Inc. are beyond beyond showing their age at this point. Um, Now, I am a, a, a pretty vehement Buzz Lightyear defender. I love that ride, but I also realize it's purely nostalgia because that is the number one ride where I hear people who don't go often or haven't been before and go on that later in life think that it's so cheesy and so bad. Uh, and then Monsters, Inc., it's cute. It's fun. I do think Laugh Floor is one of the, like kind of the best kept secrets, but it is also showing its age. And most importantly, that is one giant interconnected building that could serve as so, so much more. And, Bub, I know we want to get Wally in the parks. I saw you had an idea for a Wally thing. I think that trackless dark ride for Wally makes so mm-hmm. much sense because that's how you the people move around in the freaking Axiom. Um, Correct. You know? So I think that 
the perfect use for that giant show building once you get rid of Buzz Lightyear and Monsters, Inc. is to do a e-ticket Wally trackless dark ride where you're on the ship and then you're going down to the planet and you're seeing it terraform. This can be something that has a message about be it climate change, be it waste, uh, you know, just a, a general positive message uh, about, you know, our world and, and and how we need to be stewards of it. But I, I think Wally is considered at this point one of the all time classic movies. It's won all sorts of awards. People still love it. And it is a tough one to have in a theme park because it's kind of a heavy movie. But I, I think that that could be your your, your best use of, of Monsters, Inc. and uh, the Buzz Lightyear uh, ride building. Now, well, one of those, Tim, I don't think people understand just how big that building legitimately is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's and it's an original. It's one of the original buildings. Um, it, it had Delta Dream Flight in it. Um, there, there's a lot of room in that building. And then mm-hmm. where you were going to put the Wally uh, attraction was in that Alien Encounter slash Stitch's Great Escape. Yeah, I think you and as I know it's been suggested before. I think you do something Wreck-It Ralph in there. Yeah, I think I think Wreck-It Ralph is pretty grossly under underrepresented in the parks outside of his one meet and greet. I think you could do a cool Wreck-It Ralph something in there, not necessarily in the same style as uh, Alien Encounter or Stitch's Great Escape, but something that utilizes projections and animatronics. Um, could go in there. Uh, and Bub, I know you uh, you and Bub had the same idea for this next one. Um, you want to take it from here? Yeah, so um, just before we get to Carousel of Progress, the one thing, which I think is where you were leading. Yeah, that's where I was uh, going. The one thing, I mean, I started this podcast with a, a Bret Hart quote, and literally on my notes, uh, one of the things I had, and I think this needs to be the number one plan for this whole thing, um, and I just put it as the untitled HBK roller coaster because Magic Kingdom needs a showstopper, an icon, a main event. I don't care how much money it would cost. You take out, um, you know, Stitch's Great Escape, you know, Anti Gravity, Star Star Traders, Cosmic Rays, all of it. You demolish that whole building, and I want to put in. The number, and it's not like, oh, we want to put a great one in. No, I want the number one roller coaster in the world going in that spot. And it may not be big enough, and it may be a pipe dream. Um, Disney's always about, and people are still, oh my God, people are complaining online about um, how uninclusive Tron is and everything. No, screw them. You make the best ride possible. And if 40% of the people who come in the parks can go on it, then so be it. It's about putting the number one roller coaster in Magic Kingdom, where it is still a kiddie park. It is still widely considered a family in kiddie park. If you could put a big FU to Universal in that park, in that spot, I think it's worth all of it. And, you know, I was having a conversation um, with Jordana about it, and she's like, oh, no. They'll never, they'll never get rid of cosmic rays. What about sunny eclipse? Forget them. Literally, put them on Space Mountain right before they refurbish it. 
send them off and then demolish that building too because it doesn't matter. It is a hamburger and uh, chicken finger stand. It is not important. We're talking the number one ride in the world. Make it happen. I don't care how much money it costs. Throw as much money as you need. I I think it's a cool idea, guy. And I, I, I want to hear Bub's thoughts on this too. But we already, we don't know, but it is very, very, very almost confirmed that Epic Universe is getting a giant showstopper, technologically advanced, monsters-themed roller coaster in the classic Monsters Land. They have... Um, they already have Velocicoaster and they have Hagrid's. I just feel like at this point, Disney is content to always be way behind everybody else in roller coasters. Because as cool as Tron is, it's a very short roller coaster and it has no loops and it doesn't have anything particularly technologically innovative in it. Guardians is its own thing, but there are other spinning coasters that spin themselves uh i i just i think it's a really cool idea guy i just think that disney has decided that that is not a fight that they're super into fighting right now that that universal is really beating them in the e-ticket elevated kind of coaster stuff and then the those midwest and west coast coaster parks that roller coaster enthusiasts from around the world travel to are always going to kind of beat Disney and Universal in that top thrill area. So, Bob, what do you think about Disney going all in on on breaking some roller coaster records? The first coaster I thought of was Velocicoaster and what you would theme it to in Tomorrowland, because that I think right now we agree is the coaster in the world, or at least the coaster in Central Florida. They've done a lot of cool things now at a lot of these parks with the single rail coaster. I think uh, Wonder Woman's Lasso uh, somewhere and uh, the Jersey Devil um, up here in New Jersey. Uh, the Steel Curtain roller coaster that opened up at Kennywood. They're all that single rail style now, which is apparently the new rage. Uh, I like what you're saying to me. That's what I want the Bald Mountain Coaster to be as I'm bringing in Rocky Mountain Coaster to design that and build it, which is something Disney won't do. They, they don't necessarily go outside of the quote-unquote family uh, to build things. But Rocky Mountain Coaster doesn't have a huge presence in Central Florida. Um, if you're cool with ripping out two-thirds of the buildings in Tomorrowland, that's a huge footprint. And that coaster would kick ass. It really, really would. I, what, what would you theme it, though? Like, uh, that would be my question. Literally, this is just all pipe dream. This is all... There's no thought behind it. It's just literally about being number one. It is about... I mean, you could theme it to anything, though. If But here's... That's my point, is, like, if you had what would legitimately be considered the number one coaster... And, and forget the world. If you can just beat out Universal in Florida... If you mm-hmm. can have the number one coaster in Florida, and that's tough, too, with SeaWorld because they got a lot of crazy rides, too, that are great. Yeah, I was just going to say you should be more concerned about competing with SeaWorld, too. That's what I, yeah, so, I mean, if you could do that, it doesn't matter what it was. You could theme it to anything, and you could win. How it fits in Tomorrowland, it's really tough. And I think that's the biggest hurdle is, is but, I mean, you know, does Monsters, Inc. really fit in Tomorrowland? Not no, really. but I thought the whole point was we were getting actually back to what Tomorrowland could be. Yeah. Wait, which 
you don't need to theme this coaster. This coaster could be space themed. Yeah. Or, sure. you know, it, it could be the Tomorrowland power plant. You know, it, it, it yeah, could correct. be. I'm just not sure that that is a fight that Disney wants. And and you talk about people eaters. Uh, Cosmic Rays yeah. is the <laughs> most yep. trafficked restaurant in the world, period, point blank. That is the that restaurant does more covers than any other restaurant in the planet Earth. And yes, it is one of the most mediocre quick services on property. That doesn't matter when you are serving more people than any other restaurant in the entire world. And so I'm going to end the conversation with one last question for you guys. If you gave them an unlimited budget and you started tomorrow, could they get this done within 10 years? The Tomorrowland in general or no, no, all no, of just this? this? So I'm talking demolishing the building and then building a a no. legitimate roller coaster 10 years. No, no. I don't think so either. Uh, well, unless they get the same crew that's working on Splash Mountain because they seem to be cooking over there. So maybe if they use the Splash Mountain crew, but I'm not sure. It, t- tough call. I would say no, they don't. Um, interesting to see, though, guy. I'd be interested to see you draw because that's a big piece of land that's a big coaster yeah that's a massive coaster that's a that's a lot that's a lot of real estate for for that attraction so guy what about what about carousel of progress what are we doing in carousel of progress so what i would do a carousel of progress is really just to piggyback on what they did with the hall of presidents just rip all the seats out make it a nicer experience um and then really just update that last scene i would love to update all the animatronics and everything from all the scenes and kind of bring it into, you know, 21st century, really. But um, I don't think that's likely. I think that takes away from what the original intent of the attraction was, what people still like about it today. Um, I think you just need to upgrade that scene. That that last scene is, you know, 30 years behind at this point. And they did do a little touch-up to it a year or two ago. And it's fine, but like really all they did was they, they changed the clothing. They put, you know, different sweatshirts on everybody. I mean, they didn't really do anything to upgrade that scene whatsoever. It's all the exact dialogue. It's I mean, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's a, a sweater that you'd be like, oh, somebody would definitely wear that in 2023. That's really all they did with it. Um, I would love to see them overhaul everything. Um, but that'll never happen, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping Carousel of Progress, so I don't necessarily disagree with the idea. I Again, I don't know what you do to make it more, because that's one of those that you can't go futuristic too much, because technology has evolved so much in the last three decades that it becomes very, very difficult Um to keep up with the updating technologies uh, to me, I would believe it or not, I would bring back the 1985. Now is the time theme song as well. And I know blowing people's mind with getting rid of great, Be beautiful tomorrow, but I would bring back now is the time as the theme song for a little bit too, just to screw with people a little bit and uh, have some fun at the expense of people that really like great, Be beautiful tomorrow. Uh, so that's, billion spent. I think we all agree that about three and a half of this, of the, of the, of the remaining is going to end up in infrastructure costs 
we all agree there's going to be Skyliner expansions. Um, I broke it down further uh, in the sake of brevity. I have an Animal Kingdom loop and a Disney Springs loop. Uh, geographically, it's going to be Animal Kingdom, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Blizzard Beach, Coronado Springs, and a centrally located all-star resorts one. That's going to be the Animal Kingdom loop. And then the Disney Springs loop will obviously be the Springs, Old Key West, Typhoon Lagoon, Port Orleans. And then, believe it or not, do you guys realize how close Port Orleans and Wilderness Lodge and Fort Wilderness are in terms of being able to expand out to that. It, remarkably, I looked at the map very, very close. Um, some some brush and some probably some green technology, you know, solar panels and stuff between them, but very close to the back half of Fort Wilderness, or the Wilderness Campground. So I think what this does is it allows you to deluxify Wilderness Lodge a little more by giving them a third transportation option as they have the the ferries to Magic Kingdom and the Ticket and Transportation Center and the buses, you'd also get Skyliner access as well, which I think Wilderness Lodge needs. Uh, it's a beautiful resort, and I think Animal Kingdom Lodge and Wilderness Lodge are the two resorts that need that other transportation option based on the cost that you have at those hotels being deluxe resorts. I mean, then I'm putting a billion dollars into water parks. Again, not my money. To me, I, I'm closing one of the parks for a year at a time and literally going from the entrance to the last furthest point away. And everything in these parks is getting redone, re retuned up, everything, nuts replaced, bolts replaced. And then I think you're going to expand both parks a little bit and bring in some of the newer technology on some of these slides. I don't know if you're ever going to get the Volcano Bay level, but if you can get to like SeaWorld Aquatica level, cool. That's what I'm looking to do. I don't think you're ever getting the Volcano Bay unless you tear down these two parks and build one water park, which doesn't seem like something Disney's going to do. And then another thing we talk about is um, certainly green energy being a big push for them, uh, more infrastructure costs there with road construction, stuff like that. To me, that is obviously where a bulk of this money is going to be spent. And I do, uh, having a conversation with these guys before we started recording, they did upgrade the board and room areas for cast members out by Flamingo Crossing. Specifically uh, just also, college program cast members. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to piggyback off of the college program stuff there and build an, an, another facility in addition to this over there for all cast members. It's going to be a training facility. It's going to be all sorts of craft services for, for everyone, a centralized location. Um, it, it basically will be a private Disney Institute for new cast members onboarding processes, a centralized casting area for everyone. Um, and I'm actually going to have classrooms available for other corporations to come down and learn the Disney way and kind of have everything centralized. I am calling it the Robert A. Iger cast member center, uh, workshopping the name. And then I think we're getting more solar panels at some point here at Disney. I think they're going to clear more of the swampland, more solar panels, more green initiatives. Um, anything really in that section that you guys Obviously, I think we all agree on the Skyliner getting expanded. Am I going too big with the expansions on that? No, because it's an off-the-shelf system. It's been a smashing success for them, and it's the one that is the least intrusive 
yep. when it comes to the the type of terrain that Disney has uh, in that area, it's very easy to do a concrete piling even into that swampland, put up the tower, and then string that wire. Uh, it, it it's pretty much tailor made for that area, despite being stolen not stolen, but the, the idea of that technology comes from much more mountainous areas to connect them together. But it, it's obviously gone so, so well for them already that I'm shocked we haven't had formal uh, announcements about Animal Kingdom Loop yet um, at yeah. this point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, one of the points you touched on earlier uh, is just about how close all these parks are. I mean, when you're in the Disney bubble, you get kind of spoiled as to how far away, you know, the all-star sports are from Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom Lodges from everything else. I mean, everything is, I mean, within a couple of miles of each other. Like, it's all yeah. really close. It This is massive as a project because this sounds, it really wouldn't be. I mean, it would obviously be, we're talking tons of cash, but oh, yeah. this is something that will, you know, last, I mean, forever. It, it'll be a perfect thing that they can use, you know, as long as these resorts are open, which um, is going to be pretty likely for a long, long time. And yeah, speaking and of finally, resorts, too, yeah, go ahead. sorry, no, I, I don't want to jump ahead of you, but just, like, do you think we're going to get another resort in well, this so time I'm thinking, frame more? I'm thinking we're getting a billion dollars for resorts, which would take us to the $17 billion. And I'm thinking the only area that makes sense to me is where Reflections was already going to go. Whether it's Reflections or a new concept I don't hate the Reflections concept other than the fact that it reminds me of a drug rehabilitation center, which I've said numerous times on this show. The name, the design aesthetic, but I think the concept of Reflections with the Tiana restaurant, I think it works. And and I'm not against it. I, it is what it is. Do I think we get a new resort? No. I think what we get is expansions to DVC at the other DVC properties already and maybe some moderate uh, kind of what happened at Coronado Springs, I think maybe you see at the Caribbean Beach Resort, you remove some of those buildings and add a tower to the Caribbean beaches. I, I, th maybe. I'm, again, spitballing. I think you get upgrades at all the resorts. I think the pools, the food courts, I think they kind of get that nuts and bolts down to the studs, kind of painting, rework, stuff like that, just upgrading the facilities. And they've done that a lot of that already, Tim. A, a lot of the moderates, too, especially – Port Orleans got all new rooms. Like it's not something that Disney doesn't do regularly. So this is one of those that'll be an ongoing thing. And for me, I, I think where a lot of this goes, and you've seen a lot of low-key changes at the campground already. I think you do get a I don't want to say full-scale remodel of the campground, but I think the campground gets a lot more of the 21st century amenities for quote unquote glamping more than camping. And I think maybe you get more full hookup sites. You probably get more cabins. And I think you get a different experience at the campground. I don't know that they do it, but I think it's the most likely area where they invest more money in because glamping is one of those things. And I hate to say it, but glamping is one of those things that people pretend like, oh, we're roughing it. Oh, we're glamping at Disney World. I have people I work with that have campers that like to go camping that have asked me about this. And, and I love the campground as it is. But I think adding more cabins, more full hookup sites, more of a high-scale experience at the campground will only extend the life of a property that's been there since opening day. Yeah, so um, I don't remember why I stumbled across this week, 
But somehow I ended up watching something that had a review of the full hookup sites from the perspective of like an RV person. And apparently those full hookup sites are like the Cadillac of full hookup sites. Like a lot of RV parks and RV campgrounds have what they refer to as full hookups. But what is at Fort Wilderness is apparently above and beyond and like the best in the world. And people with RVs love those sites. So I think uh, more of those would not hurt. Um, The other thing is you talked about more DVC. My understanding of that is is Florida has very specific and very strict timeshare laws because of a lot of the shenanigans that went on there in the 70s and 80s with timeshares. And I believe all DVC has to be financed with money from DVC contracts and DVC. So maybe at that reflections area, do you guys think that there could be another value I just see with Disney being more popular than ever, and obviously the All-Stars are going to finish up their refurbs. I think the All-Star room refurbs at this point might all be done, but I, I think there's one that still has at least some unrefurbished Sports rooms. still has some unfinished rooms, yeah. yeah. So, but isn't it about time that we have another full-on value? Because those values, they just sell so well now that people want to go to Disney, but Disney is more expensive than ever. So people are taking that step down to the value resorts and we, we could just get another one to pack more people in at that price point that makes Disney more accessible. That's the model Universal's been operating on. They just opened new values for their last couple resorts they've opened. So you could. I think it would be more like Art of Animation than it would be the All-Stars. Oh, for, especially, for sure. For sure. And especially given the location. So I think it would be more of that Vaudrit hotel that we've talked about. With, with the family and, suites. And, and, right. And, and less an out-and-out out value, especially where Reflections was going to go, is a, is a prime spot for, for Magic Kingdom and for a, a considered, not a, it would be an off-monorail loop. Uh, resort uh, certainly I think it's a real deal I think a Vaudrit there um, makes a ton of sense and it and it gives them more inventory on a scale that they don't have to worry about the intricacies of a resort like Grand Floridian like Polynesian you can just put the buildings up and go and the other thing is if you put in something in that same class as an art of animation as you say a Vaudrit you now basically have the all-stars for touring groups for sports teams for school bands all that stuff you're just always going to book them in those three all-stars if those are all full you overflow them into pop maybe and then you have art of animation and this theoretical new one for your family reunion trips your Mm -hmm. we're gonna this is our we saved and scrimped and we want to stay on property and we're doing Disney, we're going to do it the right way. And you're, we got the whole extended family together and we're going to we're gonna go to Disney. I, I think that's a perfect way you do resort expansion. And, and those are all just cinder block buildings um, at those style resorts. So this is going to be much, much cheaper than uh, what a new deluxe or even the new style of moderate would, would come close to costing. 
Guy, as the only guy on this show that has anyone in the travel industry, is there room for another Vaudere at Disney World? I think it would have to be. I think they should target, um, you know, at Riviera, they have these tower studios. They only have 14 of them that are these really small European-style hotel rooms for two people. I think they should put, I think they would put a lot more of those into, um, you know, a kind of a newer resort, too, where you're not going to, I mean, no matter where they put this resort, like if you were to do the reflections, you don't have the space that you have for, for pop or art of animation. I think you would dedicate, you know, a floor or a wing to that crowd, too, just so they're not eating up regular hotel rooms, too, that you could, you know, still sell to, you know, a family of four, a family of five. Um, and you're not kind of wasting that space, um, you know, with, with just two people, a couple. Um, but, yeah, like like Tim was saying, too, I mean, these cement buildings, they could do it in no time. Right. People love them. You know, we've stayed, I mean, we've stayed pretty much at every resort at this point. And I got to tell you, there's that part of me that will never deny that under $200 for a room at Pop Century is the best value at Disney by a mile. And especially in a world where you're expanding, you know, all the Skyliner everywhere, um, people are going to want that value. I know a lot of people who have said, and this is what kept us from buying DVC for a long time, is like, what do we need to pay? And when we didn't have the extra money to, you know, kind of throw at it, what would be the point of us buying DVC where we can just stay at Pop and, you know, sure, it's not a monorail resort, but I can hop on a five-minute Skyliner and be at Epcot or be at Hollywood Studios. Why would I buy DVC? And I think if you could expand that to more people, I think that's the best thing Disney can do for themselves is kind of make them a little tiny bit more affordable and let like people know like, hey, we're looking out for you. Look at this brand new, beautiful resort. And then you just got to do one really nice touch. You know, this is going to be the best food court in all of Disney, you know, the best quick service or, you know, the best value pool, like to draw in those people too, where it's, it's not just a new, you know, penitentiary style building, which Pop Century undeniably is. Like when you pull up to Pop Century and you see that main building, it looks like this used to be like a, a boys' prison or something. It's awful. You can put all the blue paint on it you want. That looks like a prison to anybody. So to kind of get away from that, um, you know, would be smart to kind of find a middle ground between, you know, what um, Grandestino Tower is and what Pop Century is. If you could kind of find a balance, uh, that would be kind of, I would say, their best bet. That is our show for this week. That's how we would spend $17 billion at Disney World. Folks, how would you spend $17 billion? And keep in mind that these projects are not confirmed. They're just the opinions of three New Englanders who like to get together every couple of weeks and spend two hours talking about Disney World. Thanks for listening. That is Guy. That is Tim. I am Bub. We are the Disney Guys Uncensored. Catch you next time. Good night, Ohana. Good night, Ohana.